a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode where I am absolutely delighted to be welcoming back the Conlin, 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 the Conlin family. I'm Tom Twisted already. <laughs> and the reason I'm Tom Twisted listeners is we've got in our midst a four-month-old youngster by the name of Forrest Conlin, joined by mother Shuna and father Bob. So Conlin family, without further ado, I offer you a very, very warm welcome. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited. All three of us are very excited to be here once again, Paul. Yeah, and Forrest yeah. is being nice and vocal. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know about where we are in the world, listeners, but it's certainly in the UK. There's a saying, never work with children and animals. Well, yeah, I mean, who, who makes these rules? Who's, who's, where did that come from? But whatever it came from, we're going to break it. We, we, don't, uh, we don't pay no heed to that. So, uh, yes. Well, Forrest has broken every rule possible yes. so far as a, as a four-month-old. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> with him, so. So you may recall, listeners, in a previous episode uh, with the Conlin family, we, we talked about... If I ruled the world, relationships would be priority. And we felt that there was so much rich content in that. We're going to do a part two on that. And we're going to see where that takes us. So there's no, you know, there's no structured agenda. You know what the flavor of these podcasts are like by now, listeners. We go where the music takes us, so to speak, where the dance is. You know, we will be there. And including Young Forest as well. So... Bob, Shuna, um, where do we go with this then? Where do we start around this, this whole concept of if I ruled the world, relationships would be priority? Give us a recap. Anywhere will do. No, sorry, do you want me to, babe? Um, well, I think the last time we talked about um, like the intentionality piece and how, how absolutely key that was. Um, and... I think what um, we can really dive into today is like what it, what it takes to be intentional. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How, how the how to intentionally create relationships. Um, yeah, I think Sean and I also talked about on the last episode that how our relationships are are some of the most important and impactful areas of our lives. Like we are in relationship to everything, to ourselves, to others, to the people we love, to our career, our impact, our desired impact in the world. They're, they're, we all have a type or a specific type of relationship to them. So, you know, we talked about if we were to rule the world, how important it would be to have people connected to 
truly who they are in in their relationships and most importantly who they are to themselves and knowing all of themselves the good parts the the parts that are scary or dark or challenged or the, the the parts that make us fearful to to take the next action or be in the next conversation and um, you know really truly understanding all of all of ourselves um, we think that every relationship that we do have is impacted by the most important relationship which is the one that we have with ourselves yeah. so I think um, you know I think starting at well how do you have how do you create those intentional relationships, um, you know, with, with yourself and with everything else in the world? Okay, so a couple of questions arose out of that. The first one is, for me, um, and I find myself in this position as well at this moment in time, you know that old saying about, do I need a relationship? In fact, listeners, I'm going to share, I'm going to, I'm going to be vulnerable here. I'm going to share with you that all my life from the age of, well, from a, from a teenager, I have needed, needed a relationship. Now, Ooh. I know why that is, because that was, you know, because of my upbringing, which was, which was violent, <laughs> which was, which was dark. Thank you, Forrest, for that, in, that uh, <laughs> addition, <laughs> that energetic addition. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I knew, well, I now know why I needed one. So I've ambled from one relationship to another over the decades. I'm now in a phase where I don't actually need a relationship. So I ask you guys, do we need a relationship or do we want one? I mean, there's a, there's a big gulf between those two words, need and want, isn't there? Yes, Yes, and I think um, the, the first thing popping up for me, and, and Paul, I share, I share very much uh, your sentiments on, on you know, how relationships have occurred for you uh, in, in the past. So it was very much like I needed, I needed, uh, and particularly like a romantic relationship, I needed a partner in my life to, I don't know, in essence, like, Com- complete me but not not in the way that some folks might think like there was something missing or wrong with me and I needed someone in a way that like would choose to love me to then affirm to myself that I was indeed lovable and it was <clears throat> it was a never it was a unwinnable game um when, you know, when I think about my previous partners <laughs> bless them all for being with me but it was a it was a, a constant um, deficit to to be with me. It, it was never enough, and in, in, in many senses of the word, like they they couldn't say enough of the right thing or do enough of the right actions because I I didn't and this is cliche too, but like I didn't love myself enough in a way that would actually let them love me, you know. So. Um, and to go another step deeper, I was like, wow, if, if these people care about me and love me, boy, what is wrong with them? Because I am, you know, there's something wrong with me. So if, if they're loving me and, and I'm broken or, or there's something wrong with me, God, what does it say about them? 
So it was a, you know, it was a very unwinnable game for everyone. And it ultimately led, you know, led me to uh, getting divorced from um, my first wife to all my other previous relationships usually ended in in them leaving, um, which then perpetuated my beliefs and cycle. See, there's another failed relationship. I am, I am unlovable. And um, it was heart, it was heartbreaking. And while it was happening, I had no idea that that's what it was, that it was actually the relationship with myself that was impacting all of this. And, you know, it was through my own self-development work and really uncovering what is actually going on with me. Um, You know, what is actually the things that are triggering me to be this way in relationship and then getting some support in my healing recovery and ultimately creating, which we talked about a lot on the last podcast, like this notion of creation, what's the relationship I wanna create, knowing that I have all this stuff playing in the background how do I want to create it moving forward? And, you know, Shauna, my, um, you know, my life partner now, my wife, the mother of Forrest, um, she is so gracious in um, creating relationship with me now moving forward. And it's, we're able to have this level of conversation most days, <laughs> most days, you know, to where we get to actually um, intentionally create our relationship, knowing that, you know, I still have that not enough. I still have that I'm unlovable uh, scenario playing out in different ways in my life. And Shauna really holds the space for me to have that um, and really holds the space for me to, to love myself um, and frankly points it out too and I may not be as well. <laughs> so, that, you that, say, yeah. That brings in the whole question of vulnerability, doesn't it? I mean, when we look at the conditioning that we that emerges, even culturally, you know, whether we're in the north, south, east, or west of the world, you know, that old cliche of big boys don't cry, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay for the girls to cry and show emotions, and and obviously I'm mass- massively stereotyping here. But, you know, that whole notion of big boys don't cry. So when when we start opening up the conversation around words like vulnerability, Shun, I'd like you to come in on this, if you would, please, and and, and tell tell the listeners what it's like as a as a as a strong feminine energy to be able to be with a guy that has that courage to express, to show that vulnerability. Um. I think it's such a gift. Um, I think it's a gift that he gives himself every day and that um, Forrest and I get to benefit from um, just because it's, it's such a part of who he is um, now. I know that he's done a lot of shifting and changing um, since his past relationships. Yeah, um, and um and, you know, I, I look at our relationship, like, you know, as a coach, we can kind of elevate above and like look in, look at our relationship in a, in a certain way. And um, I just, I see the, I see the incredible masculine and feminine energy that he brings. Um, it's a really beautiful mix, Forrest agrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and 
to be in conversations like we are every day, almost every day about our relationship is, um, it's so fulfilling in like my soul <laughs> that um, even on our bad days that, you know, we, cause we can, you know, we can, we work through our stuff just like anybody else. And um, even on those bad days, I'm so grateful to, to be experiencing life through, it's like through his eyes as well as mine. Um, and um, I think it takes so much vulnerability for men specifically to have these conversations. Um, you know, knowing, knowing the relationships and the people that we've worked with, um, you know, typically, typically, um, the female counterpart is so much more open to having conversations about emotions and courage, vulnerability, you know, what's actually going on. And um, Robert just shines such a beautiful light um, to, to like pave the way for the male counterparts to, to access that part of them in a way that they probably never have before. Um, and it's all through just his example. Yeah, I, I was um, in, in my in my own work. There was a moment where, like, practicing vulnerability in the moment, like saying the thing that was actually going on with me, um, was actually an, an access to power. Um, which, which, you know, sounds kind of funny or very academic, but it, you know, me actually opening up and like I said, sharing what was going on, sharing my fear, sharing my concerns, sharing um, where I felt I was, um, you know, not enough or not good enough or sharing, you know, my, my fear that, you know, my next relationship was going to end this way. Like, when I, when I look back, all of my relationships ended the same way. My, my heart getting broken um, because my partners just got tired of being with a man who didn't love himself. Um, and, you know, like I knew that if I wanted a different result here, I, I don't know how I was going to get there. I knew if I wanted a different result, that I was going to have to try something different. And for me, it was have, it was practicing vulnerability. And you know, I think you touched on it too, Paul, like, you, you know, vulnerability or being in touch with your feelings, you know, as a male identified person or masculine identified person, that that's a sign of weakness. And, and I found that actually to be the exact opposite. It's actually one of the most courageous and powerful things you can do is actually share and expose your vulnerability, expose your weaknesses so as to be able to elevate above them and choose and practice a way of being and a way of action that's more aligned with what you actually want in life. You know, and I think extending this conversation outside of romantic relationships, like in our careers and work, like, um, you know, being in touch with our fears or the, the, the items or the, the topics that challenge us actually shines light on the places where we get to grow and learn and become better as a result. You know, so I, yeah, I found too, like in my, in my professional career, 
I, you know, all of a sudden I'm speaking up more at meetings and I'm making a bigger impact with my team. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting promotions. And um, so there, there's a huge benefit to, to vulnerability outside of just romantic relationships. I, I think, you know, I think imagine the whole world just like sharing their fears and what's actually going on so we can all support and love each other. What would be possible? absolutely and it is that um that surrendering isn't it to say do you know what world you might see me as this because that's the mask i've wore but that was all about my own insecurity that was around my own vulnerability but the reality is when we strip all that back and i go back listeners there's a song i think it was 1968 peter sarsted a one it wonder where do you go to my lovely when you're alone in your bed? Fantastic lyrics, but a real great metaphor for me for saying you can con the outside world all you like with your mask. And I spent decades personally doing that. Mm. Um, so I'm a self-professed expert on this particular um, thread. But when you're alone in your bed at night with four walls in darkness and there's just you and your mind, where are you going to go to then? Who are you going to con then? Who are you going to, you know, who are you going to try and pull the wool over? Where's the mask then? Because there's nowhere to hide. And I think from that, that's sort of the only way is up then. That I'm going to go out there and this is it, world. What you see is what you get. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, great. Because either way, warts and all, I like it. And I've come to love it. Not in a, in a, obviously, in an egotistical, conceited way, but the only thing first and foremost I've got in my world is me, first and foremost. Then yep. when I'm old, boy, have I got something to give them. Does, does that resonate at all? Yeah, it totally does. Um, you know, I, I was single for, for a long, long time. Um, I think I had three boyfriends really before I met Robert at 38. Which still like blows my mind because I mean, Shauna is just, <laughs> an I'm just an amazing, incredible human being. Plus she's ex very, very attractive. Anyway, I, I digress. Yes. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, and I was, you know, speaking of those four walls, I lived by myself. Um, you know, I, I went on like 150 to 200 first dates. And for me, um, like, I finally had to take a look at myself to see, like, I think you mentioned earlier, like, you know, is it a want or a need? Like, I think I was thinking that I needed another person in order to, um, you know, make myself whole. And so I just kept going on these dates and going on these dates with these people that just, I knew wouldn't suit me at, you know, even from the get go, because I had this thought of like, oh, I need another person. Otherwise I'm not whole. Mm -hmm. And, um, and being in those like four walls by myself, just like, you know, having those thoughts of, um, you know, am, am I enough? Like what's going on with me that's, um, that's like, that's not right for another person. And it was super vulnerable of me to, um, 
to actually look at myself. Um, you know, finally, at one point, I think um, the year I actually met Robert a few months before I met him, like one of the most vulnerable things I actually did was look at me versus what's wrong with all the other guys that I was dating. I was the common denominator and I was like, wait, what, what am I doing or what do I need to like, to really work on myself? Um, and so I started, I started doing so much work on myself just to really dive into, okay, what do I actually need for myself to make myself happy? Um, because no one else is going to do that for me. And that became an incredible desire. And then as an, as you know, the, as the months went on of me working with myself, you know, Robert appeared in my Tinder profile and I swiped right. But, um, I had done some really extensive work on myself to really dive into what I needed. Um, and it took a lot of courage to actually say like, wait, this might be a me thing. And how do I make myself happy? And how do I work on the love that I have for me um, outside of like what I'm looking for in another person? <laughs> this guys is a completely, completely left field. And I don't know where this has come from, but it feels right to go with it listeners but a completely left field question in from the uh, sort of question it makes it sound like an interrogation listeners but <laughs> a, a different approach from what we've just been talking about so within your capacity the personally or professionally as relationship coaches and experts is there a right and a or a wrong answer in terms of who you should that word should, how dare I use that? Blunt Paul, go and sit at the back of the room. You should know better. Should know better about using the word should. Um, around things like age, you know, culture, conditioning, this whole kind of thing. Well, you know, you're a certain age, and so you should attract somebody that give or take two or three years. This whole kind of societal expectation that. You know, it's not OK for a guy, for example, of, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 to go out with a girl of 18, 19, 20 to use a very polarised. Yeah. I mean, well, what's your thoughts, guys, from um, well, from a professional perspective of, you know, say you had a couple come to you and, you know, one of the the, the people was was very young and the, the other one was in more senior years. Is there a right? Is there a wrong? What some of the challenges that are likely to present in that kind of scenario. Are you uh, are you going to be dating someone young these days, Paul? No, no, it's. Um, but I know. Uh, well, I mean, listen. Never say never. Uh, never say never. What's your what's old? They're all very subjective. I mean, you know, I'm sixty years of age. Well, I've got a piece of paper called a birth certificate that says I'm six, that says I'm sixty years of age. Yeah. How I operate, think, feel, and am in my life, it's like, well, what's this six zero thing? What does that mean? Yeah. Yep. I, I don't get it. So um, it's certainly not, it's a question that I get asked quite a lot because obviously, as part of my own mentoring um, streams, 
there are a lot of moral issues that come into you know into our discussions sure. and and obviously sure. relationships as you can imagine is is usually very 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 integral even if we're talking about money for example yeah i think um i mean our whole approach is love is love and you know if if we have to put guardrails on that or um you know, it ultimately it limits possibility. Like typically when, um, you know, the, the single folks that we work with or, or the people who are, um, you know, wanting to create romantic relationship that they, they've, in many ways, they've exhausted all their efforts. So now they need professional support. And many of the times what we find is that they've, they've created many, many blocks. Like, I can't date, you know, a man of this age, or, um, you know, I, I don't want to meet a woman online, or, um, oh, they have to, you know, be this race, or whatever. Like it, it I, I think, again, thinking that just love is love. Um, who, who are we to say what is right and what is wrong? Where we would, where we would get curious is like, how are we using you know, what is right and what is wrong as actual barriers to what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if, you know, if you only want to, you know, date this type of person, it, it, it completely eliminates all the other possibilities. You know, I think, I, I'd probably say, Sean, you probably would agree, like, one of our biggest complaints that we get is, I hate online dating. I no longer want to date on, online. And, that limits a lot of possibility. It's not the only way to meet someone. Sean and I are a little privy to it because that's how we met, but um, it, it, it limits a lot of possibility and it, it limits what you have access to. And like, if you think of it as an adventure and an exploration, you're completely closing off a whole, a whole path. And again, where we would support our folks is to like, what's actually the block there? What's the thing that has you stop or completely eliminate this sector or this part of life um, where your person might actually be, you know? And I think like, you know, the other, the other right, wrong stuff, like, you know, culturally and norms and safety, like, of course, there are some clear boundaries and limits of things that like should not happen. Like, you know, men dating children or, or stuff like that, like that, we're not speaking of that um you know what we're speaking of is where we create stories and create expectations that limit what is available to us as a way really frankly paul probably as a way to protect ourselves you know how many times people have gotten burned or blown off or ghosted or hurt from someone they met online they're going to hate online dating you know, and, you know, I think like, man, if I would have given up and I think I was pretty close to just like giving up again on online dating, I would have missed out on meeting Shauna. And it's, you know, it's again, it's what's what's behind what's behind the right or wrong conversation like that. Looking at things in that in that frame, in that context is where we would get curious. Yeah, and so often we actually let other people's thoughts of yes. how things go get in the way. Like when, um, you know, when I was searching 
for my partner, I wanted a man who didn't have a child yet. And I was 38 and I was like, you know, everyone around me was like, was saying, uh, you have to give up that idea. You have to give up the idea that you're going to find someone around your age that doesn't have children. And, um, and I, I refuse. I was like, I'm still holding to wanting a man who, um, you know, I can possibly build a family with um, that doesn't have children of their own yet. And, um, and so I actually didn't let um, what other people said get in the way. Their shoulds do mm. not become my shoulds. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. dreaded word should. It's, but it just brings in whether we're talking about the age, the culture, the race, you know, all these labels, these conditionings that we're, we're brought up from a very early age to you can't do this, you should do that. And it, as you say, it's very, very constraining, isn't it? You know, when two souls become entwined and they strip out those labels, that's surely the greatest gift of all. Surely. Yes. Yeah, and, and you know, with, with couples that have some of those barriers, let's just say the age, um, the age difference, there's, there are going to be different challenges than let's say, you know, a couple that um, marries that, have, that are around the same age. And, um, you know, if they're willing to work through those challenges, great. If, they're, if, it's, if it becomes too much for them, that's when, you know, that's when um, extra work needs to be done. And I, you know, I think there again, guys, irrespective of what the dynamic is, you know, with all these different labels, isn't it fair to say that in any relationship, there's going to be challenges? And isn't that healthy? There's growth in that. The important thing, surely, is how do we manage those challenges? Whether, you know, irrespective of what the label or labels are. Yeah, that's that's the underlying thing, isn't it? That do you know what? As human beings, it's okay for me to have an off day, to be grumpy, to be niggly, you know? And I think so much pressure is put on us today. You know, certainly I had this conversation with somebody recently around the the so-called spirituality. Well, Paul, do you go into why do you allow yourself into that negative space? Because I'm a human being. Yes. It's a natural reaction. So I don't sit in an ivory tower and pontificate that I'm holier than thou. I bleed. If you cut me, I bleed. If you upset me, I cry. It's called mm -hmm. being human. It's called being raw. It's being called. It's called being courageous. And I think right. there again, there's so much around. We're back to vulnerability again, aren't we? That you know, big boys don't cry. Just get on with it. And oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. You should do this. And it's like. What about we just strip all that out and do, within reason, what's natural? You know, that relationship with source, with ourselves. That will tell us. That's, that's for me, is a very, very strong guide in which way we go. You know, our moral, our moral compass will tell us anyway. But I think yeah. we just get so limited and constrained, do we not? Yeah, yeah. and I can, I can tell from a, you know, a woman's perspective that you know, in, in heterosexual relationships, women are aching, totally craving the vulnerability of their male counterpart. It is, it is something in our society that just gets so stifled. And, um, 
it's something that um, most, a lot of the females that I coach or that I work with, or that I even know just in general, like my friends, they're just aching for their men to open up in a way that they never have before. And that's what takes a relationship to the next level. Well, we've touched upon the absolute courage and vulnerability there, guys, which is one of the 10 disciplines of love. I mean, there's immense immense conversations to be had around, you know, any of the other nine. But I like to kind of park that for another day because having made some kind of brief mental notes about where this podcast, and I'm going to say it again, listeners, should go. Oh, dear me. Have I been surprised? Because you know what? It's not happened. We've had a fantastic dance, I feel. Hope you agree, guys. And um, listeners, I hope you agree. But I want the the Conlin family to have the last word. So let's go back to the title, guys. If I ruled the world, relationships would be priority. Leave us, if you will, one each, guys, or or together, however you want to play it. And Forrest, please feel free to chip in. Leave us with one pearl of wisdom, guys, as we close this particular episode off. I say be open to going 1% further with your vulnerability. Like what, what, leaning into it, like what does that actually look like for you? Yeah, I think what I I would share is, um, you know, really, really understanding, doing the work it takes to understand where you're stopping and creating what's next. Um, Not only where, but um, why, like what's underneath it. Um, And to do that, you will likely need someone else to guide and support you in that. Left to our own devices, we will will tell ourselves a story about why that's not important and not do it. So looking at a, a professional in any capacity to support you on your relationship journey is, is critical. Super. And it's probably appropriate, is it not? Just just finish off, guys, by telling us, uh, you've got a new book published, haven't you, with a very strong relationship focus. Tell us a little bit about that. Not too much, though, because watch this space, listeners. It may just may be the focus of another podcast. But tell us about that, um, Conlin family, if you will. Yeah, um, it's uh, near completion. It's a book all about creating the relationships that we want, strong relationships with courage and heart. And and the title of the relationship uh, of the book is "Why My Relationships Suck." And it's it's a very it's a pointed title. Um, and what it's really pointing to is that uh, you know ultimately my relationships have sucked because of of me. (laughs) So I share a lot about what I learned about myself uh, and the quest for love and, you know, essentially how what I've learned can support you in creating uh, what you want in your quest for love. It's, it's such a passion project. I share a lot about what my clients have taken on and learned and practiced, And, you know, frankly, the ones that didn't uh, what they learned um, and, and, and you know the results that they got from that. So uh, keep an eye out for early next year for this the book to be out in the world. And I'm so excited, so excited to have it out. Yeah. 
I feel, uh, Shuna, did you have you? I mean, this this may be. They say there's no such thing, listeners, as a silly question. This may be a silly question. I don't know. Shuna, did you contribute to a large degree in that uh, literary piece of genius by Mr. Conlin there? I was his muse and his inspiration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, am, I am the source of all of the. Uh, <laughs> Of all the triumphs. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. I said there was no such thing as a silly question. uh, Yeah, maybe I've disproved that. But anyway, um, okay, so there we have it, listeners. And and I do feel, uh, in fact, let me, well, let let me put it on here. Let's put it on here, guys. Shall we come back and do another conversation around why my relationships suck? Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be great. Superb. What a way to yeah. sign off, listeners. What a way to sign off. So immense gratitude to the Coblin family and Young Forest and all, who's been very, very quiet. Shuna, has he fell asleep at all? Yeah. Yeah, he's fell asleep. Yeah. Well, hopefully, listeners, you know, um, the reason Forrest has fell asleep because of his tender, I was going to say years, but let's say months. I hope you haven't fallen asleep because if you have, Well, I need to know about that. And I'll leave you with that uh, interesting thought. And I'm going to sign off by saying, remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.